right, I'm, I'm at Doc Train West 2008 talking with Todd O'Neill, who is a specialist in rich media. So Todd, can you tell me what your presentation was on and what it was about? Well, essentially what we're trying to do is, is try to uh, evangelize a little bit about rich media and how it could be used in training and documentation. So not just the regular, you know, turn the page, look at the manual kind of stuff. Um, not even, you know, the little online, you know, you click on the help button and up a screen pops. But how can you do things like little demonstrations? Uh, how can you explain things more than just picture visually, um, but, you know, real explanations in a way that today's, uh, it's a really bad word, but today's modern audience, um, you know, will, will like to consume. They'll enjoy consuming it or, or, or at a minimum, they won't reject it. <laughs> So a lot of a lot of your presentation focused on video. Uh, why do you think do you think that video is becoming more expected and and desired in in terms of the media people want to learn? Um, I I think yes. <laughs> the short answer is yes, and 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 I think the reason is is mostly because it's uh, it is so much everywhere. It's. Um, there's really not a place that you can't turn where there's not some kind of video screen. So people are exposed to it everywhere. And, and the, um, you know, the generation X, Y, millennials, uh, digital natives, um, uh, th those generations have never, ever uh, experienced anything other than video in their lives. I mean, they're, they're radio listeners, but not like people used to be radio listeners. Um, you know, they, they get their, their music and their stuff off of uh, cable TV and off the Internet somewhere. And it's just a, it's an acceptable format. And, and the nice thing about it is it's an acceptable format in almost any size. So it can be a really big, you know, high definition screen up on the wall or it can be a little 320 by 240 little window on a computer or even on a cell phone. When I think of video, um, I do a lot of screencasts or, or video tutorials using screen demo tools. But a lot of the videos that you are were, you were showing are more with a video camera. Um, do you think that like videos done with a video camera are appropriate for learning software or is that f for a specific kind of subject? Um, I. I think there can be kind of a combination, right? You can take the screencast, which is really good for displaying what needs to happen, you know, in terms of step-by-step -step to execute this editing step, here's the things you have to do, you know, click on this menu, take the third item, you know, et cetera. Um, and they work really well for that. I think that the piece that uh, video does, um, rather than just looking at a computer screen, the piece that video does is It'll, it will allow you to bring in a kind of human element into that um, somewhat sterile screencast environment. It doesn't hurt to sprinkle that screencast with just a talking head. Say, okay, our next step, what we're going to do is kind of go through this, right? The old training thing, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So it doesn't hurt to have, you know, that talking head saying, okay, the next thing we're going to look at is how to, you know, X, Y, and Z show them that. And it goes, see, it was pretty simple. And so you get that human element attached to that very kind of computery, software-y, you know, something that can be kind of cold without it. One of the things that most tech writers um, struggle with is, is budget. We often don't have a lot of money for the, the good video cameras that will make these things look professional. 
So what kind of video cameras do you recommend for people who don't have a lot of money to spend for their documentation? Um, well, in the, the session I, I went through, I, I did sort of like a, uh, an arc of, you know, cameras. You can get um, even inexpensive standard definition cameras because they're, a lot of the stores are trying to close them out because high definition is the new thing. But if you just really want to get started, you can get a, a very good uh, standard definition digital video or DV camera um, for under $300. Now, okay, that's that's a bunch of money. Um, but there's other cameras. There's one called the Flip camera. It's uh, pretty cool. It doesn't create big, high-quality videos, but if you're just trying to do something you're going to put on screen somewhere, it works great. Um, it records onto uh, flash, flash memory. It has a little USB a plug that flips out of the side, you plug it into your computer and it just sucks the video off the flashcard. And then you go off and shoot some more. It doesn't shoot a lot of time. I forget what the time, I want to say maybe a half hour or 45 minutes, and that may be stretching it. But it's a way to get started, right? Um, doesn't take a microphone into it, so it gets whatever kind of cheesy sound on it you can. But the, the equipment itself shouldn't really be the barrier. Um, it used to be the barrier. You know, 10, 15 years ago, um, the technology that we have today, 10 or 15 years ago, would have cost you starting at $20,000. And so the cameras that we have today that you can get for under $300 produce better pictures. Um, the audio is better. Um, everything's better than it was, you know, a decade or, or so. Um, so you've got great quality, you know, really at your fingertips. And the rest of the equipment is just... Um, it's pretty simple to get at a you know simple electronics store, Radio Shack. You can you know get some simple microphones and some cables, um, and then all the computers come with the video editing software. So it's not like oh I can't get this because I won't be able to edit it. Well, actually you can. You probably have the video editing software now. You just don't have the camera to make the pictures. So. When I think of video editing, I usually think of big expensive programs like Adobe Premiere, which is going to be, I don't know how much it costs. I think it's like two grand plus however much time it would take to learn it. But you're saying that you can produce a good video using Windows Movie Maker? Oh, absolutely. Windows Movie Maker, iMovie, uh, Sony makes a whole line of uh, products uh, the Vegas line, uh, they actually purchased it from another company, a whole line of video editing products called Vegas. I think the first one, they actually have a free version, and then the next step up is like $99, and then it goes to $169, and then $300 and $500. Um, the, the very basic ones are really simple. Um, Apple iMovie has uh, something in it uh, called Magic Movie, and basically you take your camera, you plug it in, you capture everything that's on the camera, it'll do that for you automatically. You just tell it to import and it captures all the material there. And then you press the magic movie button and it makes a movie of that. And it puts, you can have it put transitions in it. If you want it, you could have it title it. You can, I mean, it'll do things pretty quickly for you. So the, the tools are really simple. And if you keep the techniques really simple, if you ignore all the visual effects stuff and you just use basic cuts uh, basic dissolves and I wouldn't even use dissolves I'd use basic cuts some very simple titling just some you know words uh, across the screen to explain some things and some very basic narration even just using the uh, microphone that might be in your computer um, you can get you know some pretty acceptable results it's not going to be Hollywood movie style but it's going to you know do what you need to do 
um, for the purposes you have. And then what happens is you prove yourself. You go, oh, look, we did these three and, you know, people really like them and they seem to be using them a lot. Well, then, you know, next time you go back to your boss or your management or whatever and say, well, we did these three videos and they were very successful. If we had just a little more equipment or a little more training, we could create some more and they'd be more successful. Well, let's, you know, it'll start, it'll start rolling. Can you tell me some principles of video in terms of like how long should they be? Uh, how often should you switch from one scene to another? And like, what about lighting? Um, I'm going to touch touch on the lighting piece first. The, the today's modern cameras are uh, are pretty light sensitive. You can go into almost any room and uh, create a pretty acceptable picture. Um, there's a number of cameras. I think Sony has. Uh, a feature on their cameras called, I think it's called Night Shot, and it actually electronically enhances the picture. Um, so you can shoot even almost in the dark. Um, so lighting shouldn't really be a problem. Uh, unless you're in a very dark space, um, then you might need a couple, you know, uh, handyman center work lights. <laughs> and you just really, for one of those, you just need one of those. Just point it up at the ceiling, and it'll create just enough extra light to make things look good. In terms of techniques to create the small programs, um, first is keep them small. Uh, don't get uh, very elaborate with them, uh, mostly because your audience won't stand for it. Um, anything over a couple minutes and they'll stop watching. They'll just turn it off. Um, so keep them short. Um, the, the shots need to be appropriate to whatever you're trying to teach uh, or, or get across or explain, um, but uh, in, in our world today, um, television programming is edited much faster than it ever used to be. It uh, used to be the average shot was like 10 or 15 seconds. Um, a long shot was 30 seconds. Today, the average shot is like 7 seconds, and a long shot is 15. <laughs> you know, so um, you need to cut things a little faster. Um, but again, it gets back to what does it take to do you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, if it takes five seconds to, you know, capture one piece piece of it, that's great. But if it really takes 30 seconds to see the whole process of something, then that's what you need to do. I mean, you need to create it to achieve your goals um, and then, uh, you know, work to serve the audience. If, you, if you're working with a, a younger, in, you know, with a younger workforce, if you're working with an, a younger audience, then make sure that the people that are involved in the production of the video in terms of on camera are part of that audience. So, yeah, Joe has been with the company 30 years and he can do that in his sleep. Well, that's fine. But Joe doesn't look like the new guy. And you want this to look like the new guy can do it. So you're going to need the new guy there. <laughs> and Joe can explain to him what to do, um, unless the new guy really knows, and let the new guy do it. So it's a, it's a relevant person. It's a peer to the audience. It's all, all about the audience and what you're trying to achieve. Um, and if you, if you make it good for the audience, you will achieve what, you're, you know, what the goal is that you set out for yourself. I wanted to talk a, a little bit about how you deliver and how you publish this video format. On the web, we, of, we often see these great little video players, whether from YouTube or Blip TV or anything. They have these nice frames that, that the videos are packaged in. But if you're working for a company, often they don't have any of that. So how can you deliver, like what kind of server do you need and how do you package it up so that it looks really nice? 
That, um, that is the challenge with, uh, with delivering video over the web in kind of a corporate environment, is that it does take uh, some particular kinds of hardware. I mean, it, that's just the fact. Um, even flash video, which is probably the best looking, uh, simplest, uh, not quite the smallest, but it's the easiest to deliver, it requires a kind of media server to deliver its material. Um, I would suggest, especially if you're just getting started out and you're within a corporate environment or you're working for a corporate client who wants to use video, um, I would suggest looking at you know, people like Blip TV or Bright Cove or uh, even YouTube or some of the other kind of affiliated or similar kinds of sites and host your video there. They already know how to do it. They already have the flash players or whatever media servers they need. They already have the bandwidth so people can watch it all over the world. Uh, you know, YouTube has millions and millions of viewers. Um, it's, it's not such a terrible thing, unless it's proprietary information, it's not such a terrible thing to put it on a public space. Um, it only helps. There's a company called Blend Tech. They make blenders really good blenders, high-end, they're like $500 blenders, um, they have made oodles and oodles of money because the chairman got onto YouTube and started sticking stuff into blenders. He put two-by-fours and telephones and iPods and you name it, he stuck it in a blender and they made a YouTube video of it. Well, that's everywhere. <laughs> Everybody's looking at these videos, so it doesn't hurt to you know, put it in a public space. But I would use one of their players. They already have a way to generate the code. Um, they already have a way to serve it up. Um, and it's simple enough to just embed that into your web page. Unless you have um, firewall issues, you know, it, where you're working, um, those kinds of players will work fine. If you do have firewall issues, um, if you do have firewall issues, um, and your IT department doesn't really want to open a hole to let this video through, then you need to think differently about how you may want to do it. Um, you're going to have, you have to think differently. IT's got to get the servers in place. Um, and then they may have to open up the, the pipes in terms of the wiring in the building to even deliver, um, you know, video uh, or rich media over the network. You also mentioned another ingenious delivery technique, and that is loading up the videos onto an iPod and just giving that iPod to different people. And actually, there was a great example in Utah of a guy who did this with ski instructions, put it on, a, on an iPod, and sold them to people who got a lot of money to ski at some of the high-end ski resorts. So that's an idea I wish I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't you? Dang, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh you know, it, it's been around uh, uh, these things like this. So, you know, what's a podcast? Well, a podcast is really just a radio show that's syndicated using RSS, just like a blog, right? A blog is just like a little newspaper or magazine that happens to be syndicated using RSS. So podcasts are very similar. But podcasts don't have to be audio. Podcasts can be video. Um, so um, put the, you know, video up on uh, iTunes and or some similar kind of service, um, uh, have your audience subscribe to it. Every time they load up iTunes, it sucks it in, and uh, they have the newest, latest, greatest video. I mean, it's a great idea, um, the ski instructor example you gave. I, I can't imagine why more, especially higher-end uh, organizations, uh, people who are selling high-end kinds of products, 
maybe like large RVs or power boats or sailboats or, you know, uh, people who can you know, have the disposable income. I don't know why they don't actually give, you know, low-end iPods at least to look at, look at pieces. Museums are doing this quite a lot. Um, they have uh, uh, audio museum tours. So you can walk around and uh, listen either on your iPod or with their supplied uh, system and go on a tour of a, you know, a museum. Um, so why not do it with video for your training, your documentation purposes? Give them the material in their hand. It's a medium they're used to using. Um, you know, they're already watching movies and television and, uh, you know, YouTube videos on their iPods. So give them, you know, what they want. Um, iPod's a minimal investment, really, um, to have a better um, productivity or creativity or better safety or, or whatever. You know, actually sitting here interviewing you uh, just with this audio recorder makes me think that I need to move into video. And people have told me that, that they want to see videos. They, a lot of people watch over the web. I use... I used to think people just listen to podcasts on their MP3 players while they're driving or exercising. But I did surveys, and like 65% of the people watch them on, on the computer. So it's just the time constraint that has really kept me. I actually have a video camera, but how long does it take to do a two-minute video? Um, it can take just two minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that sounds really simple, but... Um, the trick is to shoot it in a way so that you don't have to edit it. So, for example, here we're sitting in, in a room. There's two of us, you know, sitting next to each other, you know, talking. Um, the trick for this is just to arrange us in such a way that the camera can capture both of us at the same time. Roll tape, have the conversation, stop tape, um, and then go to your computer and, you know, suck the footage into your editing program. And at that point... Um, it's similar to the way you do your podcast. You already have a head and a tail kind of bumper already created, right? You have something that identifies your podcast with music and the title and something that closes the podcast, maybe with sponsors or whatever. It's the same with video. You create those in advance. You stick them on the, the beginning and the end. Um, with video, if you want to, you can identify people with uh, you know some text underneath them. They call it a lower third. Um, all the editing packages let you do that. Pretty simple. Um, so it can be very simple. Um, I would say in terms of the podcast world, it would probably take about as long as it would take to do a regular podcast in terms of recording or production and then doing your editing, adding your bumpers, your head and tail or whatever, and then posting it. Um, the only, what's the caveat here? The only thing with video, depending on what kind of camera you use, uh, with a camera that uses tape, TV tape, it takes the same amount of time to transfer that footage from your camera to the computer as it does to record it. So if I had two minutes of recorded video, it would take two minutes to transfer that footage in. With some of the, you know, with a longer program, it's you know the same thing. So if I have a 30-minute video, it takes 30 minutes to get it into the computer. But with some of the new solid-state cameras, It'll, it'll be 30 minutes of footage that you shoot and three minutes to load it because the, cam the camera and the computer don't have to work together to figure out what is this video that I'm loading. At that point with the solid state cameras, you're just copying a file 
from some kind of memory, either flash or hard drive or whatever, um, you're copying, copying that file directly into the computer and working with it right away. Um, so that's kind of the cool thing. I mean, you're using a small recorder with, uh, looks like it's got a SD card in it. Yeah. The cameras are moving the same way. Um, in fact, I think, I think the latest Sony high def camera uh, uses uh, eight gig SD cards to record its video. All right, Todd, do you have a blog or any kind of site people can go to for more information? Well, I do. Um, you know, I probably don't keep it up as, as well as you do your blog or your podcast, um, but I do. It's called doingmedia.net. That's D-O-I-N-G media, M-E-D-I-A dot net. Um, and it's, uh, it's there to just kind of uh, uh, help people who don't do it. Uh, you know, I, I say it's for the media clueless. Um, it's really to, you know, enable people to create media themselves. Um, so that, you know, oh, I'm putting myself out of a job so they don't have to come to me to do it. Oh, I got to take that blog down. Uh, but it's, it's really there to help people um, figure out how to use media. It's a great, powerful uh, communications tool. And there's no reason, especially with the cost, there's no reason why everybody shouldn't be able to use electronic media to communicate and tell their story. All right, Todd, thanks for talking to, with me today. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks.